Chapter Twelve of Mrs. Bindle by Herbert Jenkins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twelve. Mrs. Bindle breaks an armistice. One. Pleasant company you are," snapped Mrs. Bindle as she made an onslaught upon the kitchen fire, jabbing it viciously with a short steel poker. Bindle looked up from the newspaper he was reading it was the third attack upon the kitchen fire within the space of five minutes and he recognized the portents a storm was brewing i might as well be on a desert island for all the company you are she continued here i am alone all day long with no one to speak to and when you come home you just sit reading the horse-racing news in the paper what you like to talk about he inquired allowing the paper to drop to the floor opposite him she sniffed angrily and threw the poker into the ash-pan i wasn't readin about racin he continued pacifically i was just readin about a cove what went orf with another cove's missus his best overcoat and two chickens stop it she stood over him her lips compressed her eyes hard and steely as if meditating violence then turning suddenly she walked swiftly across to the dresser and pulled out the left-hand drawer taking from it her bonnet she put it on her head and proceeded to tie the strings beneath her chin from behind the kitchen door she unhooked a brown mackintosh into which she struggled going out he inquired yes she replied as she tore open the door and perhaps i'll never come back again and with a bang that shook the house she was gone she took a tram to hammersmith on her way to see her niece millie dixon she was angry the day had been one of continual annoyances and vexations entering the car she buried her elbows deep into the redundant figure of a woman who was also endeavouring to enter once inside the woman began to inform the car what she thought of scraggians with faces like a drop of vinegar on the edge of a knife that's the way you get cancer she continued and she stroked the left side of her ample bust people with elbows like that should have em padded and mrs bindle was conscious that the car was with her antagonist mrs bindle next proceeded to quarrel with the conductor about the fare which had gone up a halfpenny and she ended by threatening to report him for not setting her down between the scheduled stopping places she's lost a bradbury and found the water rate remarked the conductor as he turned once more to the occupants of the car after watching mrs bindle alight the fat woman responded to the pleasantry by expressing her views on them what don't know how to behave theirselves like ladies with mrs bindle the lure of joseph the second was strong within her when her loneliness became too great for endurance or the domestic atmosphere manifested signs of greater voltage than normal her thoughts instinctively flew to the blue-eyed nephew who slobbered and cooed at her and raised his chubby fists in meaningless gestures then the hunger within her would be appeased until some chance mention of bindle's name would awaken her self-pity she found milly alone with joseph the second asleep in his cot beside her as she feasted her gaze upon the eye-shut babe mrs bindle was conscious of a feeling of disappointment she wanted to babble baby talk and gaze into those filmy blue eyes in spite of her aunt's protests milly made a cup of tea explaining as she did so that charlie was staying late at the office it's a good cake Millie," said mrs bindle a few minutes later as she delicately cut another small square from the slice of homemade cake upon the plate before her 
in her eyes there was a look which was a tribute from one good cook to another who gave you the recipe it was all through uncle joe said millie he was always saying what a wonderful cook you are aunt lizzie and that if you didn't feed pussy he wouldn't purr she laughed you know what funny things he says she added parenthetically so i took lessons you see she added quaintly i wanted charlie to be very happy pretty lot of purring there is in our house was mrs bindle's grim comment as she raised her cup and saucer from the table upon the fingertips of her left hand and with little finger awkwardly crooked lifted the cup with her disengaged hand and proceeded to sip the tea with victorian refinement how is uncle joe asked millie i wish he had come oh don't talk to me about your uncle cried mrs bindle peevishly he's sitting at home smoking a filthy pipe and reading the horse-racing news i might be dirt under his feet for all the notice he takes of me the grievances of the day had been cumulative with mrs bindle and the burden was too heavy to be borne in silence beginning with a bad tomato among the pounds she had bought that morning at mr hearty's fulham shop her troubles had piled up one upon another to the point when she found joseph the second asleep she had burned one of her best hem-stitched handkerchiefs whilst ironing it the milk had turned on account of the thunder in the air and to crown the morning's tragedies she had burned a saucepan owing to the dustman coming at an inconvenient moment he's never been a proper husband to me she sniffed ominously dear aunt lizzie said millie gently as she leaned forward and placed her hand upon mrs bindle's arm he humiliates me before other people and-and sometimes i wish i was dead millie god forgive me her voice broke as she stifled a sob millie's large grave eyes were full of sympathy mixed with a little wonder she could not understand how anyone could find uncle joe other than adorable ever since i married him he's been the same continued mrs bindle the floodgates of self-pity opening wide under the influence of millie's gentleness and sympathy he tries to make me look small before other people and-and i've always been a good wife to him again she sniffed and millie squeezed her arm affectionately he's just the same with mr-with your father mrs bindle corrected herself why he stands it i don't know if i was a man i'd hit him that i would and hard too she added as if to allow of no doubt in her niece's mind as to the nature of the punishment she would administer i'd show him but mr hearty's so good and patient and gentle mrs bindle produced a handkerchief and proceeded to dab the corners of her eyes although there was no indication of tears but aunt lizzie protested millie gently i'm sure he doesn't mean to make you to humiliate you she felt that loyalty to her beloved uncle joe demanded that she should defend him you see he-he loves a joke and he's very good to-to oh everybody charlie just loves uncle joe she added as if that settled the matter as far as she were concerned look how he goes on about the chapel continued mrs bindle fearful lest her niece's sympathy should be snatched from her i wonder god doesn't strike him dead i'm sure i strike him dead cried millie in horror oh aunt lizzie you don't mean that you couldn't she paused seeming to bring the whole twelve months of her matronhood to the examination of the problem i know he's very naughty sometimes she added sagely but he loves you aunt lizzie he thinks that love cried mrs bindle with all the scorn of a woman who has no intention of being comforted 
he loves nothing but his food and his low companions he shames me before the neighbours talking that familiar with common men when i'm out with him he shouts to bus conductors or whistles at policemen or winks at at hussies in the street she paused in the catalogue of bindle's crimes whilst milly turned her head to hide the smile she could not quite repress she herself had been with bindle when he had called out to his bus conductor friends and whistled under his breath when passing a policeman if you want to know the time ask a policeman but he had never winked at girls when he had been with her of that she was sure you see aunt lizzie he knows so many people and they all like him and only common people like chauffeurs and workmen was the retort when i'm out with him i sometimes want to sink through the ground with shame he lets them call him joe and of course they don't respect me again she sniffed ominously i speak to him said milly with a wise little air that she had assumed since her marriage speak to him cried mrs bindle scornfully might as well speak to a brick wall i've spoken to him till i'm tired and what does he do laughs at me and says i'm as she paused as if finding difficulty in bringing herself to give bindle's actual expression says i'm as holy as ointment if you know what that means but he doesn't mean to be unkind aunt lizzie i'm sure he doesn't protested milly loyally he calls boy i mean charlie she corrected herself with a little blush all sorts of names and she laughed at some recollection of her own don't you think aunt lizzie she paused conscious that she was approaching delicate ground don't you think that if you and uncle joe were both to try and and she stopped looking across at her aunt anxiously her lower lip indrawn and her eyes gravely wide try and what demanded mrs bindle a hardness creeping into her voice at the thought that anyone could see any mitigating circumstances in bindle's treatment of her i thought that if perhaps i mean hesitated milly that if you both tried very hard to to not hurt each other and again she stopped i'm sure i've never said anything to him that all the world might not hear retorted mrs bindle with the unction of the righteous although he's always saying things to me that make me hot with shame married woman though i am but aunt lizzie persisted milly clasping mrs bindle's arm with both hands and looking appealingly up into her face won't you try just for my sake please she coaxed i've tried until i'm tired of trying was the ungracious retort i moil and toil inch and pinch work day and night to mend his clothes and get his food ready and this is what i get for it he makes me a laughing-stock talks about me behind my back oh i know she added hastily as milly made a sign of dissent he can't deceive me he wants to bring me down to his own level of wickedness then he'll be happy but he shan't she cried the daughter of the lord manifesting herself i'll kill myself first he shall never have that pleasure no one shall ever be able to say that i let him drag me down i've always done my duty by him she continued returning to the threadbare phrase that was ever present in her mind i've worked morning noon and night to try and keep him respectable and see how he treats me i'm worse off than a servant i tell him so and what does he do she demanded laughs at me she cried shrilly answering her own question and humiliates me before the neighbours gets the children to call after me makes oh aunt lizzie you mustn't say that cried milly in distress i'm sure uncle joe would never do such a thing he couldn't she added with conviction well they do it retorted mrs bindle conscious of a feeling that possibly she had gone too far only yesterday they did it 
what did they say inquired millie curiously they said she paused as if hesitating to repeat what the youth of fenton street had called after her then as if determined to convict bindle of all the sins possible she continued they called after me all the way up fenton street again she paused yes aunt lizzie they called me mrs bindle turns a spindle millie bent quickly forward that her involuntary smile might not be detected they never called out after him mrs bindle added as if that in itself were conclusive proof of bindle's guilt and now i must be going millie and she rose and once more bent down to gaze where joseph the second slept the sleep of an easy conscience and a good digestion bless his little heart she murmured for the moment forgetting her own troubles in the contemplation of the sleeping babe i hope he doesn't grow up like his uncle she added her thoughts rushing back precipitately to their customary channel i'm going to have a talk with uncle joe said millie as she followed her aunt along the passage and then she paused you'd talk the hind leg off a donkey before you'd make any impression on him was the ungracious retort good night millie i'm glad you're getting on with your cooking and mrs bindle passed out into the night to the solitude of her own thoughts populated exclusively by bindle and his shortcomings two i haven't told charlie uncle joe so be careful whispered millie as bindle hung up his hat in the hall haven't told him what millie that that she hesitated oh, i get you steve he cried with a knowing wink you ain't told him how you're going to make your aunt lizzie the silent wife of fulham now uncle joe she admonished with pouting lips you promised you will be careful won't you she had spent two hours the previous night coaching bindle in the part he was to play regular dove i am to-night he said cheerily i could lay an egg only i don't know what colour it ought to be millie gazed at him for a few seconds in quizzical doubt then with a shrug of her pretty shoulders and a pout that was very popular with charlie she turned and led the way into the drawing-room charlie dixon was doing his best to make conversation with his aunt-in-law but mrs bindle's monosyllabic methods proved a serious obstacle now we'll have supper cried millie after bindle had greeted charlie and gazed a little doubtfully at mrs bindle he seemed on the point of making some remark but apparently thought better of it instead he turned to admire an ornament on the mantelpiece he had remembered just in time millie had spread herself upon the supper there was a small cold chicken that seemed desirous of shrinking within itself a salad in a glass bowl with a nickel silver fork and a spoon adorned with blue china handles a plate of ham well garnished with parsley a beefsteak and kidney pie cold also garnished with parsley some pressed beef and tongue of a thinness that advertised the professional hand which had cut it on the sideboard was an infinity of tarts blancmange stewed fruit and custard with all the recklessness of a young housewife millie had prepared for four what would have been ample for fourteen it was this fact that first attracted mrs bindle's attention her keen eyes missed nothing she examined the knives and spoons identifying them as wedding presents she lifted the silver pepper caster a trifle light as air examined the texture of the tablecloth and felt the napkins with an appraising thumb and forefinger and mentally deprecated the lighting of the two pink candles and silver candlesticks with yellow shades in the centre of the table millie fluttered about acutely conscious of her responsibilities and flushed with anxiety i hope i hope she began addressing her aunt i i hope you will like it 
you must have worked very hard milly said mrs bindle an unusual gentleness in her voice whereat milly flushed bindle and charlie were soon at work upon the beefsteak and kidney pie hot potatoes and beans bindle had nearly fallen at the first hurdle in the heat of an argument with charlie as to what was the matter with the chelsea football team he had indiscreetly put a large piece of potato into his mouth without realizing its temperature a look of agony overspread his features he was just in the act of making a preliminary forward motion to return the potato from whence it came when charlie with a presence of mind that would have brought tears to bindle's eyes had they not already been there indicated the glass of beer in front of him with a swoop bindle seized it raised it to his lips and cooled the heated tuber pulling his red handkerchief from his breast pocket he mopped up the tears just as mrs bindle turned her gaze upon him don't make me laugh charlie he cried with inspiration or i'll choke at which charlie laughed in a way that proved him entirely devoid of histrionic talent i'll do as much for you one of these days charlie bindle whispered looking reproachfully at the remains of the potato that had betrayed him my god it was ought he muttered under his breath look out for yourself and have beer andy he turned suddenly to mrs bindle in his heart there was an uncharitable hope that she too might be caught in the toils from which he had just escaped but mrs bindle ate like a book on etiquette she held her knife and fork at the extreme end of the handles her elbows pressed well into her sides and literally toyed with her food after each mouthful she raised her napkin to her lips giving the impression that it was in constant movement either to or from her lips she took no table risks she saw to it that every piece of food was carefully attached to the fork before she raised it from the plate and never did fork carry a lighter load than hers after each journey both knife and fork were laid on her plate the napkin mrs bindle referred to it as a serviette raised to her unsoiled lips and she touched neither knife nor fork again until her jaws had entirely ceased working between her visits to the kitchen milly laboured desperately to inveigle her aunt into conversation but although mrs bindle possessed much religious and domestic currency she had no verbal small change during the afternoon milly had exhausted domesticity and herself alike and there had been joseph the second mrs bindle did not read they had no common friends she avoided the pictures and what she did see in the newspapers she so disapproved of as to close that as a possible channel of conversation and lizzie cried milly in desperation for something to say you aren't making a good supper i'm doing very nicely thank you milly said mrs bindle who in a quarter of an hour had managed to envelop about two square inches of ham and three shreds of lettuce you don't like the ham aunt lizzie protested the hospitable milly have some pie it's very nice thank you milly was the prim reply i'm enjoying it and she proceeded to dissect a piece of lettuce to a size that even a prunes and prisms mouth might have taken without inconvenience charlie cried milly presently i won't have you talking football with uncle joe talk to aunt lizzie a moment later she realized her mistake bindle returned to his plate charlie looked at his aunt doubtfully and conversation lay slain listen cried milly who at the end of five minutes thought she must either say something or scream that's joey run up and see charlie there's the dear she knew it was not joey charlie rose dutifully and once more silence descended upon the table aunt lizzie you are making a poor meal cried milly genuinely distressed as mrs bindle placed her knife and fork at the all-clear angle although she had eaten less than half what her plate contained 
i've done very nicely thank you millie and i've enjoyed it millie sighed her eyes wandered from the heavily laden table to the sideboard and she groaned in spirit in spite of what bindle and charlie had done and were doing there seemed such a lot that required to be eaten and she wondered whether charlie would very much mind having cold meat blancmange and jam tarts for the rest of the week it wasn't him millie said charlie re-entering the room and returning to his plate with the air of one determined to make up for the time he had lost in parental solicitude whilst bindle pushed his own plate from him as a sign that so far as the first round was concerned he had nothing more to say you're very quiet to-night uncle joe said millie the soul of hospitality within her already weeping bitter tears me cried bindle starting and looking about him i ain't quiet millie and then he relapsed once more into silence charlie did not seem to notice anything unusual in his gentle good-natured way he hoped that millie would not again ask him to talk to aunt lizzie mrs bindle partook no other word adequately describes the action of an open jam tart with the aid of a spoon and fork from time to time sipping daintily from her glass of lemonade but she refused all else she had made an excellent meal she repeatedly assured millie and had enjoyed it millie found comfort in plying bindle with dainties he had received no orders to curtail his appetite so he had decided in his own idiom to let em all come and they came tarts and turnovers fruit salad and blancmange custard and jelly by the time the cheese and biscuits had arrived he was forced to lean back in his chair and confess himself vanquished not if you was to pay me he said as he shook a regretful head after the meal they returned to the drawing-room millie showed mrs bindle an album of coloured postcards they had collected during their honeymoon whilst charlie wandered about like a restless spirit missing his after-dinner pipe ain't we goin to smoke bindle had whispered hoarsely as they entered the drawing-room but charlie shook a sad and resigned head she mightn't like it he whispered back so bindle seated himself in the corner of a plush couch and wondered how long it would be before mrs bindle made a move to go home millie was trying her utmost to make the postcards last as long as possible charlie had paused beside her in his restless strolling about the room and proceeded to recall unimportant happenings at the places pictured at length the photographs were exhausted and both millie and charlie began to wonder what was to take their place when mrs bindle rose announcing that she must be going millie pressed her to stay and strove to stifle the thanksgiving in her heart whilst charlie began to count the minutes before he would be able to light up the business of parting however occupied time and it was fully twenty minutes later that bindle and mrs bindle accompanied by charlie and millie passed down the narrow little passage towards the hall door another five minutes were occupied in remarks upon the garden and how they had enjoyed themselves and then the final good nights were uttered as his niece kissed him bindle muttered i been all right ain't i millikins and she squeezed his arm reassuringly at which he sighed his relief the tortures he had suffered that evening were as nothing provided millie were happy as the hall door closed charlie struck a match and lighted his pipe returning to the drawing-room he dropped into the easiest of the uneasy chairs what's the matter with uncle joe to-night millie he inquired and for answer millie threw herself upon him wound her arms round his neck and sobbed been a pleasant evening lizzie said bindle conversationally as they walked towards the nearest tram-stop mrs bindle sniffed 
nice young chap charlie he remarked a moment later he was determined to redeem his promise to millie what was the matter with you to-night she demanded aggressively matter with me he inquired in surprise there ain't nothing the matter with me lizzie i enjoyed myself fine yes sitting all the evening as if butter wouldn't melt in your mouth but began bindle oh i know you she interrupted you wanted millie and charlie to think it's all my fault and that you're a saint they should see you in your own home she added but i ain't said nothing he protested you aren't like that at home she continued there you do nothing but blaspheme and talk lewd talk and sneer at mr hearty oh i can see through you she added and you needn't think you deceived millie or charlie they're not the fools you think them bindle groaned in spirit he had suffered acutely that evening mentally having had to censor every sentence before uttering it then look at the way you behaved eating like a gourmand you made me thoroughly ashamed of you i could see millie watching but she was watching to see i had enough to eat he protested don't tell me any decently refined girl would be disgusted at the way you behave eating jam tarts with your fingers but what should i eat em with before she had time to reply the tram drew up and following her usual custom mrs bindle made a dart for it elbowing people right and left she could always be trusted to make sufficient enemies in entering a vehicle to last most people for a lifetime but what should i eat em with inquired bindle again when they were seated Shh! she hissed conscious that a number of people were looking at her including several who had made acquaintance with the sharpness of her elbows but if you ain't to eat jam tarts with your fingers how are you going to get em into your mouth he inquired in a hoarse whisper which was easily heard by the greater part of the occupants of the tram they don't jump he added a ripple of smiles broke out on the faces of most of their fellow passengers will you be quiet hissed mrs bindle mind you don't grow up like that kid whispered an amorous youth to a full-busted young woman whose hand he was grasping with interlaced fingers mrs bindle heard the remark and drew her lips in still further been getting your face sticky mate inquired a little man sitting next to bindle in a voice of sympathy bindle turned and gave him a wink no sooner had they alighted from the tram at the king's head than mrs bindle's restraint vanished all the way to fenton street she reviled bindle for humiliating her before other people she gave full rein to the anger that had been simmering within her all the evening millie should be told of his conduct charlie should learn to hate him and little joy to execrate the very mention of his name but you shouldn't go a jabber on your elbows in people's bindle paused for a word sufficiently delicate to mrs bindle's ears which at the same time would leave no doubt as to the actual portion of the anatomy to which he referred i'll jab my elbows into you if you're not careful was the uncompromising response i'm referring to the tarts and bindle made a bolt for it now all this comes to trying to sit on a safety valve he muttered mrs b has got to blow orf somehow or she'd bust end of chapter twelve read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com